Dave Gibson, thanks for joining us in the studio this afternoon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, so Dave Gibson, Dave is an industrial designer, an educator. He's worked for companies like Coleman, Rubbermaid, Nike, STX, um, some local consultancies, and as an adjunct professor for local, a couple of local universities. And, you know, he's, like I said, he's just kind of getting started and, you know, we'll see what's next. Um, so this is 20 questions on Design Lake City. And here we go. We've got 20 questions for Dave. He's seen a few of them beforehand. They're a bit randomized, so there's an element of surprise. And we're just going to shoot them at him and see what happens. Bring it on. First section, rapid fire questions. Question number one. What is your greatest indulgence or what's your guilty pleasure? Oh, food. Food? <laughs> Any... I, I, I'm like a goat. I'll eat everything and anything. I, I, are you allergic to anything? No, luckily. Uh. I, I, that makes me sad thinking about people who are allergic to different foods. What's your least favorite food? Least favorite food? Mm, eggplant. Okay. I'm not a big fan of eggplant, but I'll eat it. My wife loves it, so we still eat it. Right. Yeah. My wife's not into it, but I think it's how it's prepared. Yeah. So. Little eggplant, Parmesan's not bad. Question number two. If you could talk to one dead person, who would it be and why? You know, I thought about this one. I, there's so many people I'd love to talk to. The first person that I actually thought of was uh, George Washington Carver. Mm. If you ever... I'm not as familiar with Well, they say he invented peanut butter, but I swear I read some recent article that that might have been untrue. But anyways, he was a he was a scientist okay. in the 20s, 30s, early 20s in the gotcha. South, African-American guy, mm. and super innovative, mm. but very humble. Um, you know, he was not motivated by money. Um Anyway, good person to look up. Mm, yeah, okay. Time. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know anything yeah. about him, so I'll do that for sure. Um, all right, what's the design trend you hope dies in the year 2020? <laughs> uh, mom jeans. Mom jeans? <laughs> what do you have against mom jeans? And gold stuff. Like, there's just gold stuff everywhere in the world right now, so. No more gold. You know. Like, like gold plated? Yeah, gold hardware and houses yeah. and yeah. decorations and. Gold on bags. It's cool. I like gold. gold. But golden apartments, golden yeah, condos. Probably too much going on right now. Maybe tone that down a bit. Okay, good answer. Question four is always the same question. It's the origin story question. Yeah. Kind of getting to know you. We want to know about your background. So the question is, how did you get your start? What was like your early schooling and training and, and kind of some of your early jobs? Yeah. Uh, so I was a shop nerd in high school, and I was helping my brother with a project. He was doing a graphic design project. Hmm. Um, and he had actually designed some sandals. Okay. And he was doing, which was secondary to like this graphic design project. Yeah. So I was helping him make the sandals and I was helping him with this little display. And uh, the industrial design program was in the same building mm. as the graphic design program. So that's when I saw it because I'm like, ooh. And this cool is that? drawing, making stuff at BYU. At BYU. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, they're now in the School of Engineering, which mm. is funny. The industrial design seems to be that way. We're kind of, you know, misfit in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's, I don't know where it to was place a, It's a BFA, and currently their program's a BFA in the School of Engineering. Mm. So, anyway, that's, that's pretty where cool. I first started. 
but uh, just getting yeah. turned on by drawings in the hallway pretty much and yeah because so. i knew i love making things but uh i wasn't sure that i wanted to be like an engineer yeah you know i like the artistic side of it and so it's seems like a perfect combination for my kind of brain so and then out of school like somebody give you a start uh rocket ship down in provo mm. michael rita i worked with him for a year and a half and uh, loved it down there. We, so that was kind of got my feet in wet and all kinds of things from medical products to outdoor products, which is where I spent the majority of my career since then mm. in outdoor products. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, started there, went to another outdoor company in Salt Lake, Vortex Outdoors. They do hunting gear and fishing gear, mm. and uh, which is an interesting story and, in, like, Empathy, which is one of my favorite kind of design principles. Yeah. Because I've never been hunting. <laughs> right. Still to this day, and I've hunted, or I've designed other hunting gear. That's wild. Yeah, so. Like, you never felt like you had to go at least, like, bow hunting or do something. I, you know, I thought about doing it, but it's, uh, you know, honestly, there's, like, and we'll probably talk more about this later, too, but, like, the internet is just full of so many resources that, right. that can bring you into the world of, something you've never thought of, mm. you know, pretty quickly. Not that it's the same. And so I think, you know, that's probably an exception, you know, research mm. as its various levels, you know, of, of involvement and how much you can, how much you want to spend, you know, in someone's shoes or how much you can spend in someone's shoes. Yeah. Is it even or, possible? Yeah. So. I mean, you have the, re- I, I had to go hunting. It would, you know, cost a lot yeah. of money and probably a lot of resources. Well, and I'm a, I love learning new things and meeting new people. So if it were up to me in time or money wasn't a, a thing, I'm sure I would have tried everything. You know, I'm like I'm that way with not just food, but everything. I probably have too many interests and hobbies yeah. and not enough serious ones. Yeah, not enough time. So. And so were you trying to like leave Salt Lake to gain experience or what, was, was that your intention? Or? No, that came up. Well, when I first went to school, I kind of always thought originally that we wouldn't be staying in Utah just because at the time there probably weren't as many companies hiring right. product designers. You have to follow the work. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, my first job out of state was with Coleman. We went out there and that seemed like a great fit because I love camping and I learned a ton there, mm. you know, from soft goods to hard goods. I mean, that's a huge, of, huge company. Right? Yeah. Very big company, but we had a fairly small design team. So it was nice stressful and good at the same time i yeah. learned a lot but you know work hard um yeah worked on a lot of projects mm-hmm. learned about a lot about things that i don't want to do or were bad and then learned from some really good designers too that i worked with that mm-hmm. had been there before me so cool just want want you to like name name drop or, or, or talk about um a favorite project. thanks dave for those harmonica interludes let's get back to the interview oh favorite um Probably easier for me to think of not favorite ones. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, that's the other part of this question that I didn't get to. Like maybe there maybe there's like a super embarrassing or crazy project that's worth worth talking on. Talking yeah. About. The first one that comes to mind was uh, we did a bunch of speaking of empathy, you uh-huh. know, kind of empathizing with different markets. We did some products for uh, at Coleman. Um, I don't even know if I should mention the name. It's like for a reality TV show. Okay. Yeah. 
like Big Brother or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was motorcycle accessories. If that oh. maybe is giving away part of the yes. the reality okay. show. Okay. Another one you're talking about. So like yeah, and so that was an interesting thing because I knew nothing about like I love motorcycles, but uh, knew nothing about it. Uh-huh. And um, the person we worked with. Did some redesign of some existing Coleman products, like one of the grills, I think. And it was really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was, uh, it didn't turn out as well yeah. as I think everyone would want to. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, there's always those products too. Some of the products I work on too, I'm just like, oh, I hope no one ever sees my name on these you know right so. yeah you don't have to put your name on everything <laughs> you know so i think that's one thing as a designer that's good and healthy to be uh aware of is kind of like you'll do stuff you don't like to do or maybe you don't do well or yeah you know still a job luckily i i tell people for the most part i love what i do mm-hmm. but there's still those days where you know you just you're doing work yeah you know i was thinking about today like some Sometimes it's good to have pra- uh, projects that you don't care about as much to like practice on. Yeah, you can kind of like try try stuff out and try different drawing skills, and you, it's yeah. th- th- there isn't as much consequence because you aren't as like uh, married to it. You, know, right, you don't care right. about it as much. Right, and it, and it stretches you too. Even in yeah. different like like I said, if it's a different market, it stretches your aesthetic bandwidth. Yeah, which it's easy as a designer to just kind of settle into things that you personally like. Totally. You know? Comfort zone. Yeah. So. All right. Question six: What are your goals as a designer? You know, you've had a, you've had a long career so far, but I, I imagine you still have some some learning goals or like some skills you want to develop. Learning goals, yes. Um, I would say I had a good answer for that. Yeah. Oh, uh, one thing I was thinking of is computer programming. Mm. I'd love to get more into computer programming is a skill set, you know, because I think I see a lot of um, kind of new areas of design, and I see product designers and designers in general are already kind of adding that as a skill set, especially in the graphic design world, with yeah. web development, things like that. <clears throat> but, yeah, I think computer programming is one for me. That's cool. Yeah, coding. Yeah. Um, software or, or, like, web web. Or just kind of all the above. Yeah, and well, and just kind of understanding, um, you know, certain things. I mean, designers use plugins often for different types of software they use. So being able to create things like that is mm-hmm. handy. Mm-hmm. But also using programming as a tool, in general, as a design tool, really. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the interests that I have are uh, like algorithmic design or parametric design. If you've heard much about that, mm-hmm. it's. More common in the graphic design world, but basically kind of creating a, you know, random design generator, so to speak. Mm. But um, some of that's been used kind of in the engineering world. If you see, like, you know, they'll design like a bike chassis or something user, you know, for lack of a better term, artificial intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. Using um, computers to kind of create design, uh, which is fascinating yeah. to me. I like that. Folding it back into yeah. a physical design right and i think you know maybe this is one of your questions like what is the future of design and what are designers doing in the future and i think that's what it more to me that's what i think it looks Mm, like like programming like robots and ai to do design basically or to do engineering yeah because now Mm. you know we're very deliberate Mm -hmm. and we're as designers we kind of act like dictators right like 
we give a very specific direction, mm. especially with aesthetics, but also form and function. Mm. Um, but yeah, kind of being more of a curator in a sense, oh, you cool. know, where you can kind of allow for how, how do you guide customization either through artificial intelligence or the choices of the consumers, right? A simple example is like how, you know, you can go online, Nike and Trek uh, bikes, different companies where they've done ways where you can order a personalized product, right? Whether it's a custom colored shoe or it's a, a bike that's built specifically to your your body size where mm. it's fit just right, you know, mm-hmm. or other aesthetic details. But like, how do you how do you curate that as a designer to allow freedom of consumer choice, mm-hmm. but also to maintain, you know, aesthetic and yeah. functional goals, you right. know, because if, you know, you let people pick any color, then there's kind of no rhyme or reason, right, to what's out there. There's no thought to it. So how do you, how do you, mm. <laughs> you know, I see that in nature, like evolution fascinates me, how, mm-hmm. how things, you know, just by their own means over time, perfect themselves, you know, into these cool forms, you know, whether it's a fish or a plant, mm. how they adapt to their environment and in, it, in a totally free world where right. anything can happen. But they were probably operating on some kind of algorithm, some kind of like yeah, na- yeah. nature, naturalistic. Or building upon something algorithm. they else had through their DNA or, yeah. you know, so that fascinates me in design because a yeah. lot of, you know, rapid manufacturing like 3D printing and other processes like that, as those get faster and cheaper, it allows... For some of those customized iteration that you couldn't have otherwise, you know, because like injection molding follows along the line of that, you know, dictator type of designer, right? It's, right. This is the shape, and now you make it ten thousand yeah, times. Yeah, that's all you get. You yeah. know, so that's cool, man. That's yeah. blowing my mind. Uh, I have a friend um, who has has a few sons, and he's he said he thinks it's more important for them to learn like HTML or JavaScript, yeah. more important than like to learn, you know, Spanish or Mandarin. Right. And I was like, I had to think about that. It seems like kind of harsh, but you know, maybe there's something to that. Like, so you have, you have some kids, would you, are you yeah. advocating them, you know, they learn code? It, yeah. I've, we bought this little computer toy. What's the name of it? It was a Kickstarter project, mm. but you can hook it up to a screen. Like coding for youngsters. Yeah. Kind and of it shows, thing. it like guides them through different games. Like mm. they play Pong and then they use a, a programming language to like manipulate the code in Pong. What? And then they replay the game after they manipulated the code. And then uh, what's that other old game? Python. Sna- oh, the, the snake snakes. game. Yep. They use the snake game and then they go to Python. You sh- show you how to use like Python coding. It's still basic level stuff, yeah. but it's super cool to introduce kids to those tools. Because I, I yeah. agree, like physical languages, super valuable to learn, but you know computer language that is the universal language you know that, other than music that product <laughs> sounds cool like no i want one so the, yeah we'll, we'll have to like follow up the cano cano okay cano okay well k-a-n-o let's I'm put a link for him yeah there's like a space on the website where, where you're where this podcast will be we can like put some okay, links cool. and some photos and i'm texted cool, yeah cool. let's let's get some of that stuff on there yeah yeah for sure that sounds rad um all right what is something you've learned the hard way that you'd like to share or help, you know, other other designers, our, our listeners avoid. Something I've learned the hard way. Yeah. Hmm. Let me think. You're gonna have to edit out my what, pause because no, I'm trying fine. to find. And one thing I forgot to mention is that you get one pass 
<laughs> we're like already into it, but like th in the twenty questions, you get one pass. So oh, I get pass. You get you get one pass. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, let's pass on that one. Okay. Or maybe come back to it. Yeah. So where do you get your best ideas? Where do I get my best ideas? Yeah. Kind of random. I, uh. you know, I use when I was a student. I remember we took a field trip and I kept asking different designers. We went to a bunch of uh, um, design firms in the Bay Area. And I kept asking him, like, hey, how do you get your ideas? Where do you get your inspiration? Everyone had different ideas, too. And I guess through my experience, it's been, I really can't say a systematic way, other than, like, surfing the web, which sounds, it seems mind-numbing, but I get the most random ideas when I'm kind of casually searching, surfing the web. And, and just can, being open and, yeah. and not too specific about your... Yeah, sometimes I'll just be doing like an image search of something really dorky like mm -hmm. uh, um, air conditioning vents. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe I'm remodeling my house or something. Sure. But you can like see an image in a certain way. I've gotten a lot of functional ideas from that, just seeing a device yeah. and almost kind of in the periphery vision, seeing it as something else, you mm -hmm. know, or just accident. getting a totally unrelated idea. I love kind of looking at other places for ideas, right? Like, uh, like shoes. I don't. De I haven't designed a lot of shoes, but they're awesome inspiration for soft goods in general, right? Mm. Some of the coolest manufacturing processes, right, are in the shoe industry, right. right. So applying that to bags or apparel, yeah, that you seems like see that happening. So it seems like they're always at the forefront, like the, like the sonic yeah. welding and like all of this kind of new technologies that you can start applying right. to soft goods. Yeah. So, and a lot of ideas too. Like I love making videos. Where it shows like how it's made, kind of yeah. factory videos, right? Like I'm fascinated with manufacturing processes because that's such an integral part of the design process. Yeah, that I think I wish I would have learned more in school. Right, I've kind of had to learn the hard way through my career, and so you know, um, seeing that gives you a lot of ideas too. That seems like designing a, for manufacturing, right? In a very literal sense, it seems like another a good one for the kids. Like yeah. I always think of like those Sesame Street videos yeah. where they showed how how like crayons were made, yes. like saxophones. That's my favorite one. Yeah, I love those. those are Mr. Like... Rogers, I think. Okay, that okay. Was, yeah. I, I remember seeing that as a kid. Right. Yeah. There's some crossovers. Like peanut butter was one. Yeah. And those were classic. Yeah. Yeah, the peanut butter and the crayons. Those are probably ones that. That's as early as I can think being sparked in the in, you know with an interest in in making. Yeah. Especially manufactured products. You know, as opposed to like I love making things myself but there's mm -hmm. something different and interesting about manufacturing that sometimes is we think is really boring but yeah. i think there's a lot of artistic aspects of manufacturing that are quite beautiful actually right right the whole the whole assembly of robots and the sequence yeah. and yeah those those videos highlight yeah yeah well okay some more links we're gonna have to like find sure, those yeah, and post yeah, those. Get some. those are classic yeah all right so a few more rapid fire questions sure um what is your dream project to work on uh, or like what, what, what segment of design, like maybe are you dying to get into? Probably like I was saying, algorithmic design. Yeah. And that fascinates me mainly, uh, a project I, idea I had was to do like CNC cut snowflakes, hmm. which would be fun, right? Create a program where you could and random, randomly randomized. generate snowflake yeah. shapes and, uh, like how cool would that be to have a Christmas tree with no two snowflakes? Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Like totally custom snowflakes on it. So. <laughs> Okay, I'm to looking be for seen that. A Kickstarter coming. Yeah, yeah. Soon. 2020, 21, whatever. 
Um, what design in Salt Lake do you love? Like, I want to address some Salt Lake questions you know, yeah, through these yeah. interviews. I love the library downtown. Ah, yeah. That's one of my favorite places to go. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the outside looks really cool, but I think the interior space is just a really fun place to be, mm. especially for a library, right? I think when they first built it, going down there, it's just not what I expected as a kid. You know, I'm sure there's other libraries in other cities similar, but... Mm. But, you know, the libraries here before were just bookshelves, you know? Yeah, true that. Yeah, just stacks. Yeah. And it's such a good, like, public place. And yeah. there, there aren't many, like, uh, like just big public places like that, and right. especially, like, indoors sure. anymore. I don't know if they're yeah. if, that was, if that's a dying thing or what, but... Yeah, that's a good public space. And it may, libraries have made me think, too, about... Uh, maybe I'm going off tangent about, like... Uh, Maker spaces and um, co-working spaces, and how that's kind of a big trend—not just in Salt Lake, but around the world. You yeah. know, and uh, I think libraries are a great place for that. So mm. that place made me think of that. Honestly, being in that space, kind uh. of thinking, this is like a co-worker space already. Yeah, right? there's a cool coffee shop and a right. You know, tables and Plenty they even have a maker space now. They got three that's printers. Right. That's and, right. That they've just put in there so. and meeting rooms and yeah. you might like chance like bump into somebody yeah. in the makerspace and, and it's all free yeah and it's free <laughs> yeah that's cool yeah public library makerspace yeah, downtown totally. um what what needs a redesign simple question what needs a redesign yeah what needs a redesign? oh i think everything like <sighs> like if you're not i mean everything needs to be improved and maybe that's you know, I think as designers, we're constantly kind of nitpicking things, which can be a negative road to being constantly critical. But, you know, I think really everything, maybe that's a cliche thing to say. Yeah, but, well, that's a very designer yeah, answer. But like, like, that's good. But, yeah, everything, if it, you know, if there's nothing to improve, then it's kind of boring. That's why I like mm. what I do, I think, is kind of improving upon everything. So Yeah, that everything could be improved upon. I, I, I believe in that, too. I yeah. think there's, like— some classic designs, you yeah. know, like I, I had a professor who was like, you know, about the umbrella. He's like, have you, you wondered why the umbrella hasn't changed over the years? Because they landed on the yeah, perfect yeah. design. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I mean, it's pretty good, but yeah, like, it's hard to believe that an umbrella can't be changed. I think maybe like as technologies, sure. other technologies evolve and stuff and the opportunities present well, themselves. When you right? say that, you're like, oh, it hasn't, I mean, maybe we just haven't tried either too. Like a cool mm -hmm. case study we did in school was this thumbtack project. I don't know if you ever saw it. It was a student project. Mm. I don't remember the student or where she was at, um, but she redesigned the thumbtack. That's cool. Which is really cool. I'll get a link for that. Yeah, yeah. But she sure. you know, did various things to it where you thought, like, oh. what, how do you improve on like thumbtack? Yeah, right? what? How? The thumbtack. <laughs> but she did, and it's really cool. It was a cool project. Very simple, beautiful solution, you know. So. Awesome. Okay, I want to see that. We'll, we'll, we'll give a shout out to you. Yeah, soon. yeah. Um, one more. If not a designer, what would you be? Oh, sound engineer. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Like we were chatting. Yeah. Um, like Christian over here. Yeah. Because I love music. Cool. Um, and uh, my dad, probably a sound engineer too, because I really want to be a rock star, but I know that's just not possible, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm so, so. hopeful too, right? <laughs> I've given up on that dream yeah. a long time ago. But uh yeah, and my dad was a musician. He was a professional musician, so he always discouraged us. He's like, well, don't go to music, you know, do something else. But I'm like, oh, no, I still love it. So, yeah, mm. I'd be a sound engineer. That's good.
All right, so the next section is about your creative process. We want to know more about your process and your kind of professional practice. And um, so the, the first part, the question, question number 12, is the kind of mandatory question we ask everybody about inspiration. You know, actually, like, that's probably most interesting to me is like understanding, like, where your inspiration comes from and who you get inspiration from. Yeah. yeah. So the inspiration question. Yeah, like I said, music is a big inspiration for me even when I'm just drawing um, doing research working mm. I love listening to music I mean, that's cool it's, it's a good it's therapy for me but mm. it's also just great creative therapy it kind of you know opens opens the mind creatively and just kind of gets you I think to be creative, you have to be happy. You have to be mm. comfortable. You have to be in a good place. Are you, music does that for me more than anything, I think. Do you get, like, prescriptive about what kind of music you're listening to for, like, what kind of pro project? Like, if you're working on a medical oh. project, do you feel like you need to listen to classical music or something like that? You know, that's a good question. I've never thought of that. I might, you know, because yeah. I think I just have one big playlist on Spotify okay, that so I just, like, favorite tunes I turn so. on. Yeah. It's my cool tunes, and yeah. then I'll just skip, and, and as soon as the song hits me, you know, because there's songs you love at certain moments, and other songs you like at others. Mm. So, yeah, whatever kind of, yeah, it's a very ambiguous process for me. Yeah, <laughs> but if it's like your favorite tunes, then they're probably going to be, yeah, like sure. inspirational for you, or yeah, you, yeah. Are, you already know they're going to be like uplifting. Right, right. right. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe you can share your playlist with us, too. Yeah, now, for sure. Now I'm super interested. Um, okay, so question 13, so the question is, like, how important is drawing or sketching in your design process, and, mm -hmm. and you know, how much do you use drawing and sketching, and, like, one reason I ask, because I've had, you know, people in my past, and, like, professors say, like, that they don't think uh, drawing is important in design, and I, I, I don't agree, so, but yeah. I don't want to preempt the question too much, but, like, for you, like, what, how, how I'd important? I'd have to agree with you. Mm. I, I think it's critical i don't know how you can be a designer and not draw mm. not like everyone's kind of different levels you know and especially in industrial design yeah it's such a broad spectrum of of uh, artistic skills you know from stylus in the automotive industry to almost engineer type designers you know yeah but uh yeah drawing i think that's that's our greatest tools as designers Right. Communication tool, really. Yeah. And and I think part, uh, going back to the quality level, like I've, you know, I've learned to present that well, obviously, to inspire, you know, aesthetics. You yeah. Know, the way something looks is is aesthetics, right? You know, yeah. how it looks and how it appeals. Yeah. So, so how do you explore that? Yeah. yeah. How do you explore that visually? But then also kind of as a functional tool to kind of, it took me a long time to also be comfortable with like crappy drawings you mm, know? <laughs> that's interesting as a as a functional tool yeah because you know there's those levels from just scratch scratch thumbnails to you know juicy stuff that i want to post on instagram or something you know yeah so everything i post on instagram isn't you know just casual sketches usually yeah people don't <laughs> post know? too many thumbnails i probably should know? do more of that um, yeah but i've i've taught a couple of sketch classes and mm always tell the students I try to show them you know garbage stuff just to help them feel comfortable like <clears throat> it, you're not everything you draw isn't gonna be perfect yeah so yeah. you know as Milton Glaser said drawing is thinking too yeah 
And so kind of working through things, you know, where you draw it and you're like, nope, draw it, nope, 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 until you finally, you know, get to what you like. Yeah, you have to be willing to like kind of throw throw out yeah. drawings and, yeah. and be crappy and some, some yeah, kind yeah. of deal with some crap, you know. Yeah, so not, I wouldn't say complacency with bad art, but um, be comfortable with it because that's the path to get to beauty right that's mm. what you're eventually from an aesthetic point of view as a designer i feel like we're trying to make the world beautiful you know so that could be like a whole podcast in itself totally. a lot of these questions right oh yeah um but that, that's kind of a good segue to the uh next question which is about like persuasion right mm. drawings can be persuasive yeah. right for your client so um but but to add to that how do you persuade your clients um like the value of good design like how how do you like how do you educate clients or like I guess do you have some advice for working with clients? Yeah, um, for me it's it's honesty, it's uh, humility. So it's mm. important not to treat clients like they're below you, even if maybe they don't see design the same way. Um, and kind of you know making it a space where everyone feels creative as well. Mm. Um, and because, you know, most clients, when they come to the, you, they're already acknowledging that you have something that they need that they don't have, ah, yeah. you know. And so they're respecting you. You respect them. Mm. I think having that mutual understanding first, listening, empathy, you know, yep. my, one of my favorite design words, which, you know, again, it can be cliche, but I think it's so true. Empathizing with people, not just kind of... Um, more than listening, right? Putting mm -hmm. yourself in their shoes too, and seeing what they what they value. That's a good point. It extends. It's not just about like the work and thinking about your users for a project. It's like you know part of the creative process yeah. and being empathetic in the creative process with your peers and your yeah. clients and stuff too. I think it's important too. Long before you start presenting ideas and concepts and design work and deliverables, to kind of it's it's your job as a designer to educate the client about that process too and to prepare them for the critical side too right mm -hmm. to say like you know there's going to be things you don't like or i don't like hmm. or, or other things and so yeah there's there's ambiguity ambiguity and the process is messy yeah but it's not personal right, right? so kind of like trying to establish that in the beginning yeah, like, like that Prep, know? prepping them to be uncomfortable sure right? yeah or like to not like everything yeah that they and see. it's that's, not like i'm not smart it's not because i don't like you yeah yeah it's just because you know we're trying to get to this goal yeah because often too clients um will come to me with a product or something that they're maybe passionate about say an outdoor product they love backpacking and they want mm. to do a backpack and so they feel like I know everything about backpacking and this is exactly what I want it to be. Mm. But then helping them to kind of understand like, hey, this is, how do we understand the market you're really going for? It may be you, it may be somebody else. Mm. And how do you help them in a, <clears throat> in a healthy way see that without demeaning them? Right? Yeah. Because no one likes to feel like, uh, you're, you're stupid, let me show you how to do it correctly. You know? Right. So you, have, so you have to be pretty like diplomatic. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. That process right. is messy too. I mean, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? Sure, sure. And people have different personalities, so. Yeah. So listening is, is key. That's so good, man. Lots of good tidbits in there. How do your values show up in your work? Yeah, good question. Um, honesty, 
uh, I hope is a value that I have. I'm not perfectly honest probably all the time, but mm. um, I think that helps too in professional relationships too where you could try to be upfront about the problems, right? Like mm-hmm. you're saying there's messes that come along the way. And so how do you talk through those? Because mm-hmm. it's easy to avoid them, right? Especially people if you've ever worked in like a corporate environment, you know, there's mm-hmm. there can be office politics and people don't want to say certain things yeah. or address certain problems, you know, mm-hmm. and then you get a kind of a an elephant in the room situation, you know, where no one wants to talk about it. So I think honesty and, and integrity in that sense of kind of like calling out the elephant when you see it, yeah, you know. And that's an art firm too, because not a lot of people like to hear that. But yeah, you kind of have to have like a uh, the right environment or have established the right like yeah. atmosphere to be able to do that. Right? Yeah, and that's why I say like preempting mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. long before you, you know if you're working with someone or it's a client mm-hmm. to kind of establish. You know, the sooner you can establish boundaries, the better, right? Which yeah. I think is a healthy. I'm not a social scientist, but I heard a lot of those things. You know, it's in relationships. Yeah. Boundaries are a good thing mm. um, if they're presented in a good way, you know. But then when problems come and then you try to start establishing boundaries, that's when brick walls, boundaries become brick walls, Interesting. right? Interesting. And so, yeah. anyway. That's cool. Um, okay, so question 16 is the tools question. We always ask this question mm-hmm. at, this, at this point. Uh, and it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Like, we want to know, like, is there a special tool, like kind of physical, like maybe pen, your favorite pen or you know, paper or like a digital software or something that, that yeah. you'd like to kind of share with the audience, something. Yeah, I was a paper know. and pencil guy for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, even working with digital tools in a lot of the jobs I worked at. Um, so for a long time, but I was like paper and I didn't, I didn't collect too many types of pens or things. I was mainly like Prismacolor and Verithin kind of guy. Yeah. With like, but then like Bond paper. Because uh-huh. I remembered in college buying, like, expensive pads of yeah. special drawing paper. And I'm like, this is this is adding up. <laughs> right. Especially when you're a student, it gets expensive, right? So, um, yeah, it's a good old bond paper. Uh. Can't beat it. It's super cheap. And and the the quantity aspect of drawing and sketching, it helps you free. Yeah. It's one you, less, like, I thing like to tie yourself down. You're right? not, not each. Uh, it's not so precious, like, each yeah, page. Yeah, right. And so I even, like, my daughter kind of inspired me to even use other crappy mediums, oh. too, like crayons and yeah, yeah, yeah. cheap colored pencils. And uh, so I'll do that, and sometimes we'll draw together, or sometimes I do that just for fun. <clears throat> right, like those big, those big fat, like, uh, washable markers yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, like, I have, like, a three-year-old and a six-year-old, yeah. and, and I'll be drawing with them. I'm like, hmm, I might be able to do a client presentation with this stuff. Yeah, it's kind That's of a, it's kind of a fun challenge too. Yeah. It kind of pushes you out, and yeah. So, and I think tools tools are that right. You know, they're tools, and so mm-hmm. it's it's hard not to allow get make tools to control your design process. You know, mm-hmm. that's one reason. Now I almost sketch exclusively digitally mm-hmm. on my iPad, and then I have the pencil because you're not awesome. limited. You're not limited. Yeah. yeah. And so you're kind of just allowing your imagination to to guide you. And there's cool. so many editing tools, too, that make it more efficient mm. for changes, you know, mm-hmm. as you know. You know, That's clients cool. want anything from color changes to all kinds of things, right? You, you, there's just the digital tools are just so much faster and so much more useful. So, you know, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of the old techniques 
going away completely from academia because um, they're not, they're pretty tedious. Yeah. They're cool art form. I love the artistic aspect of it. Like I love to sit down with some markers and yeah. But that's becoming more like design for designers, I think, you know, because yeah. and it depends on the clients, you know, and who I'm presenting to. So considering yep. your audience mm-hmm. can decide the medium a lot because, yep. you know, like you're saying, you're trying to you're trying to excite people about what you're doing, yep. what you're designing, what you're working on. And so for some designers, that means some cool marker renderings for mm-hmm. some clients. They may want something much more yeah. photorealistic kind of rendering, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. So time and place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I shed a tear for like the markers and pens of the yeah. world a little bit because, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't totally, totally get rid of them. I still, yeah. I still have a pile of Prismacolor uh, markers and yeah. a pen collection that I hold dear. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like those pens you never touch and ne- yeah, never. Yeah. Will. Yeah. That's so cool though. I never thought of like the iPad as like, um, it, like unlimited in a way that like they're just endless pages endless yeah. layers like if you think yeah. of it that way it's like oh i can just keep drawing keep drawing keep drawing yeah it allows for so much iteration mm. and, and freedom of of style too because like i said it's i'm trying as an older designer trying to avoid becoming what i've heard you know coined as a a dinosaur right you yeah know, so <laughs> yeah you how do understand. i remain relevant and mm. And new and fresh, mm. even though I'm growing some gray hair. You know. <laughs> nice. This section is the pontification section. Oh, my favorite part. Right. First question. How do you describe bad design in general? Bad design. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something that's not too cliche. Mm. <laughs> Bad design. I, I guess it's like when you recognize that someone hasn't thought something through enough. Okay. Right. There's, you know, like I said, you can always improve on everything. Yeah. But uh, it's nice to see when something's been thought through. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. frustrating, and anyone can, I think, agree that it's frustrating when you have a product that you discover in the first five minutes of owning it some kind of obvious problem. Mm-hmm. Like they for, forgot a handle or like yeah. some cords are getting twisted right. or something. And uh, that's frustrating. So that's 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 probably the easiest sign of bad design. But yeah, yeah. I mean, thought, did you think about it, you know? Because yeah. good design is more than just thinking it through, but bad design, if like, you know, people say, well, everything in the world, if it's not in nature, is designed. And I think, well, that's kind of true. You know, it's not. There's plenty of things that someone maybe consciously, yeah, <laughs> thought about so kind gonna, of a little bit, but really yeah. didn't think through. You know, like mainly the user interaction, right? Yeah. Kind of who's using it and mm-hmm. and why and how and yeah, long term. Like maybe a manufacturer just pumped it out or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah an example of that I had this S-wing hammer in college because I was doing a lot of like in college I did like remodeling. Mm. To, you know, pay the rent and uh, did kitchen and bath stuff. I bought this S-Wing hammer. It's beautiful. Won design awards, but it it was a terrible hammer because the head was like slightly crooked from the handle oh, no. to give it the kind of aesthetic look. But yeah. like you couldn't, I'd bend nails all the time oh, using so it, you know. When you're wielding it. Yeah. It's just yeah. So that was kind of a bad design where I'm yeah. like, oh, and I was mad because it was such a beautiful hammer. It's yeah. the coolest looking hammer I've ever had, but. It's, anyway. it's for hanging on the wall. 
Yeah, we'll we'll put a link to that too. Um, okay, you ready for this? Yeah, you agreed to this question. What does contemporary, in terms of design, mean to you? Oh, I did agree to this question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, what you know? What is new? Yeah. What is current? It's hard because it's a term that like so many different people understand differently. So maybe I, I guess I try to avoid using it sometimes, but because yeah. it's ambiguous. Like, well, that's what mod- same problem with modern. Too, yeah, right? yeah, right. Because historically, if you're like if you're studying, say, furniture history, modern is has a much more specific meaning than you know if you're just talking about you know infrastructure or anything else. Yeah. You know what is modern? Yeah. So modern dance, yeah. modern architecture. Yeah. Mm. Um, what's a myth about design you'd like to debunk? Myth, oh, this one I had a good answer for and I've forgotten. What's a myth about design you'd like to debunk? Um, I think especially for industrial, well, for industrial design, it's, uh, people often look at it as kind of like the stepchild of engineering. But I don't think that's true. You know, it's still a very unique world. Yeah. You know, engineers kind of see it as like, okay, designers. Like the the step before it comes to them. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And and even in the, that's why I say it, it is kind of a misfit because in the artistic and design world, we're kind of different too in a lot of ways. Partially maybe because it's so broad, but um you know, I think just maybe that myth of maybe it's the name, and I think we've had this conversation before. Mm. Industrial design, right? It's a terrible name. Yeah, you know? kind of a misnomer. It's not a very good way to describe what it does. But yeah. design in general, um, I think, has a similar problem too. You know, mm. where people kind of see it as a, a secondary part of development <laughs> of things, right? Whether you're developing a website or the product or right. a building, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of seen as the stepchild of that. But yeah. um, I don't think that's true. Mm. But I don't really have a great reason to defend that. So Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, we'll so, leave it at that. Yeah, something to keep thinking about. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. I, want, I want to leave here with some, yeah, sure. some work to do. Yeah. Last question. Yeah. We've done 20. Here's the last one. Do you have a, like a motto or a mantra um, that you'd like to share kind of like Ooh. as a partying gift for, for the interview? That's a good one. Um, or, or like a philosophy, you know, that you kind of like live by. You know, I was thinking one of my favorite quotes is from the movie Rudy, like the football yeah, movie, which classic. I'm not even, I played football, but I was terrible at it uh. in high school, but uh, classic movie Rudy yeah. where he's talking to the priest and the, he's like, oh, what else do I do? How do I else, you know? And the priest said something along the lines. I'm going to misquote it. But he said, you know, there's two things that I found in this world. He's like, there is a God, and I'm not him. <laughs> and, you know, for me, I think that's, I try to live by that as much as possible. And whether you're religious or not, or people believe in God or not, like, I think the message is it's like, there's humility. There's, there's always something out there that's better than you. Yeah. And so humility is is key to growth because mm. I think we all want to be better. We all want to improve, learn new things. Um, you know, people want to 
find success in their professional life and their family life and mm. improve those things. And I think being humble enough to realize that as long as you remember you're not there yet, yeah. you'll continue to grow. Right? Yeah. You know, and I see that with, you know, probably some of the old people that I admire most of my life. Mm, they're just continuing. They're still learning. Yeah. You know, even though they're old and you think old people know everything. Mm. But, you know, so. That's awesome. Being humble enough to keep learning. What a, what a great, like, note to end on. Cool. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, it's and my pleasure. I'm looking forward to, like, many more conversations. Oh, yeah, for you. sure. So, yeah, follow up everybody on the website, and we'll, we'll point to more, you know, things, you know, interesting things that Dave wants to share. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, cool.